To say we're living in times of extraordinary disruption doesn't quite cut it. Every day we seem to be faced with so much information, challenge and change that it's hard to process, let alone know how to move forward. So, how can we steady our focus and unpick the things that don't work? And what tools do we need to create positive change in a world of constant flux? From TEDx Bristol and supported by Opus Talent Solutions, this is Reflect, Rethink, Reboot, a podcast about not just surviving, but thriving in uncertain times. Growing up, I, I found it really challenging because I just was very different to a lot of the guys, you know, and I've had to do a lot of work to really kind of shed those experiences that I've had because it's had such an impact on me and my identity and, you know, led me to being suicidal at 13, having a drug problem at 19. Um, and all of these things have had lasting ramifications on me in some way. And a lot of it's due to the fact that I have just grown up hating myself. What does it mean to be a man in 2019? How can men better understand the privileges they experience and how can they use their influence in a positive way? I'm Gareth Evans, part of the team at TEDx Bristol, and we wanted to start this podcast to showcase the inspiring people in our community of Bristol and the southwest of England who are modifying the brief and rebooting the way we think and act on both a local and global scale. In this episode, we're going to take a look at masculinity and what it really means to be a man as attitudes shift in gender politics. Take a look at the stats. YouGov ran a poll in 2016 that showed on a scale of 0 to 6, where 0 is completely masculine and 6 is completely feminine, only 2% of young men aged 18 to 24 define themselves as totally masculine. When asking the same question to men over 65, that number's 56%. And when it comes to opening up, men are much less likely to talk to friends about issues than women are, despite a poll for International Men's Day last year finding that two-thirds of British people feel that men should aspire to show empathy. Man up. Boys don't cry. Be a man. Could that sort of rhetoric be one of the reasons why suicide is still the biggest killer of men under 45? We're going to explore what role men have to play in shaping gender equality, the effects that perceptions of masculinity are having on men's mental well-being, and we'll look at what's being done in our own community to move things forward in a positive way. The great thing about the modern gentleman that differs from some of the previous social movements is that there is no one face for it, there's no particular music, and in all honesty, no mandatory dress code. That's a clip from TEDx Bristol 2015 and former speaker Daniel Evans. that welcomes diversity and honours individuality. Daniel stood on the famous spot in 2015 to give a talk called Modern Men, Life Doesn't Have to Be Short. It was inspired by his own experiences and reflections into what it means to be a man. When he's not public speaking though, Daniel is the Communications and Engagement Coordinator for Knoll West Media Centre in South Bristol. It's an arts centre and charity which supports local people to become changemakers in their community and it inspires young people to find their way with skills that they can use in the creative industry. He also co-founded Milk for Tea, a men's well-being and personal development organisation that helps men find their true identities, and above all is about helping to progress a more modern masculinity. 
not just about keeping men alive, it's really about helping men thrive. And I think helping men to connect better with themselves, connect better with other men, you know, I feel like that's one of the reasons why we're kind of in the situations we're in now with gender politics and, and gender relations is like men just don't really have a great relationship with, I think, with themselves, you know, and, and I think they struggle also to have um, uh, deep connections with other men as well. For Daniel, getting to this point in his life has been a journey filled with highs and lows. And it's fair to say a lot of soul searching questioning the very fabric of who he is and what his place in the world is, as an individual, but as a man too. Hi, how are you? man. Yeah, how are you? Good to see you. Yeah, how are you? In 2018, Daniel was approached by his manager, Mina Fombo. She's also the lead on the Young People's Programme at the Norwest Media Centre to create and shape a new course for young people. She came to me and said, like, look, Daniel, we'd love for you to run a creative course. Um, it can be about anything you want it to be, really. Um, come back to me with what you want to do. And so for me, obviously, it had to be something around masculinity and, and supporting men to be better for everyone else. That course was The Mail Room, a residential retreat for self-identifying men aged between 18 and 30 to help them develop professionally as well as personally. But not only that, Daniel wanted to help those men find their own purpose in life and by openly discussing what it means to be a man, empower them to challenge the norms and help them to create big change from the ground up. We'll come back to that later, but it's that idea of purpose in life that for Daniel was shaped by his own experiences. I think growing up, I, I found it really challenging because I just was very different to a lot of the guys that I grew up with. You know, my, my brother is very atypically masculine. Um, so is my father. And I was just a lot more sensitive and a lot more... Uh, I think some would probably say feminine, I think, growing up. And so um, it was. it's always been this challenge of wanting to be myself, but not really feeling like I ever could. So from a very early age, people called me gay, people called me faggot. And that's pretty much what I heard most of my life growing up. And so that label has really stuck with me um, for a long time, you know, and I've had to do a lot of work, inner work and counseling and stuff like that to really kind of shed those experiences that I've had because it's had such an impact on me and my identity and I think my, my value and my worth and a variety of different issues, you know, it led me to being suicidal at 13, having a drug problem at 19. Um, and all of these things have had lasting ramifications on me in some way. And a lot of it's due to the fact that I have just grown up hating myself. You know, I allowed other people to make me feel like I wasn't good enough or that I was just some, you know, dumb faggot, you know, that was into really girly things. And, and uh, it's just, yeah, I've, I've had to do a lot of work to kind of build that my confidence up. And I think my environment was something that just continually tore that down over time. Looking back at those times now, Daniel's philosophical about it. And even today thinks it's a bigger issue that society needs to deal with. I don't think I fit very neatly into people's boxes. And I think anytime that you, people can't understand you, I think it's human nature to try and to attack you. Um, and I think people, men are afraid to have, I think, really rich and intimate relationships with each other emotionally uh, and platonically because, yeah, they're just, again, there's just that sense of like, oh, this will be gay or be, be perceived as gay. And it does, it does such a disservice to us as men. And we, it's really sad. But at the same time as struggling to fit in with the male community, Daniel was able to find solace in the form of the women around him. The majority of my role models growing up were women. So I, I wanted to be like my mom ever before I wanted to be my, like my dad. You know, uh, me and my mom, we would just like, you know, we would have cups of tea and we would just talk about stuff. And I'd do the same thing with my aunt. Most of my friends growing up were girls, um, which is one of the reasons why people thought I was gay or whatever, you know, they wanted to call me. Um, and then also too, you know, 
people that I saw in the media as well, whether it was Princess Diana, whether it was Venus and Serena Williams. I remember doing a book report on Serena Williams back in like 2000. So women have been like, I'd say like the cornerstone of my, of my influences. Being around women allowed Daniel to be more at one with himself. Instead of having to live up to expectations set out by men and being ridiculed for not being masculine enough, he was inspired by the confidence of those women. There was one quite iconic male role model, though, who had a profound effect on him. I remember being like 11 or 12, and I was getting bullied a lot and everything like that. And I remember like searching for Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech. And it made me feel incredible. Like, honestly, there's when it talks about how the, the Negro still lives on a lonely island of... Uh, I, I, forget, I forget the words now, um, which is quite bad. But um, it was just so beautiful and so poetic even. And it just moved me. I wanted to... I wanted to make change like that. I wanted to help shift culture like that. I didn't know what. I just was like, I, I want to do that. I want to like make people feel better and I want to help people's situations. In spite of the inspiration and liberation that those things gave him, it wasn't enough to stem the sense of rejection he was feeling on an everyday level. And at age 13, events unfolded that were to become the first of three big turning points in his life. Things were just tough for me in terms of the sense of like, I was getting bullied at school. I was coming home. I have an older brother. I was getting bullied at home. And also physically, you know, just brothers being brothers, but obviously getting beat up pretty much almost every day as well, which isn't helping the situation. My, I just, my life at the time, it felt like it just sucked. Like, and I just literally, I was like, there is no respite for me. Everywhere I go, people are ridiculing me and, and bullying me, you know, everywhere I go. Yeah, I, I wanted to kill myself. I didn't. I literally was just like, I don't know how I'm going to survive this life if it continues on like this. So what were you able to do to, to, to turn that around then and to start a new way of thinking? I think I've always been a very determined person. And I remember at 13, after I had those bouts of suicide, um, suicidal thoughts rather, um, I remember saying to myself, all right, Daniel, we've got to, we've, something's got to change because we're, like, we're not really going to be able to survive the rest of our schooling if we keep up like this. Um, so it was really just a survival, survival tactic. And I remember making a very, um, a very conscious decision at 13 and saying, look, this is the situation that's going on right now, Daniel. We're going to make something out of ourselves. You can't necessarily change who you are that much, even though I did try to change. I tried to drop my voice. I tried to do a bunch of stuff. And I, I, I think from that moment on, I was just on this, like, I think conscious but almost very unconscious uh, agenda to really prove everyone wrong and to show everyone up. And so Daniel decided to put his mind to sport, where he started out playing basketball. And as he trained to get in shape by running, he realised his real talents lay on the track and so began a love affair with athletics. The trophy cabinet began to fill up. U.S. national you know, US champion, national champion eight-time eight Maryland state, state champion, champion my, uh, my junior year, fastest time in the country in the 4 by 800 meter relay, fifth in the country individually in the 800 meter, and the list goes on. Got a full ride to a number of different universities. And that was my way of proving to everyone, like showing everyone up. And that was a driving force for me, I think, all through my athletic career, um, was just that, you know, all the, I'm just going to show up all these people. And I, it was it was something I, I start I did up until like my mid twenties, and I realized I had to start letting go of that. Even though it, it it helped me in a lot of ways, I think it's it's detrimental to always feel like you have to prove something to other people. Although he wasn't able to truly let go of what people had said about him his whole life, athletics gave Daniel a way of being validated by other people. It also opened doors to university, but that was to present its own new challenges and the next big turning point in his life. Even though I was really successful as an athlete, I still hated myself, really. And I never really, I still did not deal with the issues inward. All I was doing was becoming more impressive um, so that people 
respected me a bit more. But at the same time, too, I still hated myself. And so I got, uh, I found drugs and realized I have a quite addictive personality and um, I fell in love with drugs and was on, a, again, was on drugs for five years. Um, and it was after I got clean from drugs, that's when I came up with the idea for Milk for Tea. And that was a turning point for me. And I said, actually, I feel like I've been through hell, you know, all because of these ideas about masculinity, uh, gender norms, sexuality, uh, drug use, all this stuff, self-worth, value, all this stuff. I feel like I've been on this in- incredible, but also like really strenuous journey of this. And actually, I I feel like the very people who have caused you the most pain, maybe that your purpose is to help them, you know? And so, um, so that's why I think it's, you know, I do think my purpose is to, right now, at least in my life, is to help support men. This episode is brought to you by Opus Talent Solutions, a proud partner of TEDx Bristol 2019. Opus is a tech and energy recruitment company, and by doing things differently, reflecting, rethinking, and rebooting has become part of their DNA. True diversity, equality, and mental health have been fundamental to not only their growth and success, but also to those they work with. As Alex Crass explains, Diversity to us isn't about how many women do we have in the business. It isn't about how many ethnic minorities we have in the business. It's about bringing people in with different experience, different mindsets, different visions and different opinions. And you've got to be truly authentic. Go back to grassroots. That's what we had to do. It's a huge task, but it's proved so worthwhile. The sectors that Opus work in are without a doubt areas lacking gender diversity, with skills gaps so large that unless they're addressed, the impact on our society will be huge. Opus's own workforce was like those sectors, but in the last 18 months, they've completely changed the makeup of the organisation. And as a result, profits in 2018 doubled. To find out more, visit opustalentsolutions.com. Daniel's journey of self-discovery in those first 20 years of his life has meant that he's put a lot of work into understanding how men's relationships with each other, as well as with women, have a big role to play in where we go as a society with gender equality. The bar for men is set very, very low, like almost ridiculously low, to the point where actually to be, a de- to be viewed as a decent man, you don't have to do much. Like you kind of just have to be like a quasi respectable person in life and you'll be considered a decent man like it's actually very very low and like that highlights a variety of other issues because quite frankly that bar is not just being set by men it's also being set by women and other people too so you know i I always say to my female friends it's like you have to raise the bar for the men in your life and is that what you mean by how women have got to raise the bar as well by not not being complicit to it and not yeah 100 percent. you know as men men we exacerbate it but like again we all play a role in the way the state of masculinity right now we all do whether you're a man or woman or however you identify we all play a role because on some on some levels women will say oh i want to man who who is xyz but and at the same time too will completely go for a man who's the complete opposite so we all have to work together with compassion and understanding to help eradicate this and progress masculinity so raising the bar for ourselves and each other and calling out negative behavior when we hear or see it is one thing but understanding the issues in the first place is another so how can men become more aware of the challenges and experiences of women and other community groups You'd be surprised how few men actually speak to the women in their life about the experiences that they have. Just start speaking to the women in your life. Like, that is a great 
easy way to start. Call up your mom, call up your sister, your partner, your 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 um your colleagues at work. You know, that's those are great places to start. And just ask them, what is it like to be? What is you? What are your experiences as a woman? What are your experiences as a woman growing up? What challenges do you face in your personal and professional life? You know, ask questions. But looking inward is just as important as being aware of what's around you. So what's the work for men there? The work is understanding uh, yourself better. So self-awareness and self, self-actuality. self You know, who am I? What do I value? What's my identity? Where am I going in life? You know, uh, what, are, what are the positive things about me? And what are the challenges? What are the things I actually need to really work on changing about myself? You know, am I degrading women, you know, in my personal life? Um, what are my actual genuine uh, views on femininity and women's roles. I think that's really important to know. I think there are a lot of people who who carry and hold views, but they're afraid to admit it. And it's like, you can't do anything with that. You can't progress that because you're not even willing to acknowledge it exists. Whether that's misogyny, whether that's racism, whether that's prejudice of any type, understanding and recognizing that you carry a certain view, does you know, that's okay. It's okay to say, look, you know, when I walk down the street and I see a black man, I, I get afraid and I do, and I act like X, Y, Z. That's a really important thing to become aware of because as soon as you recognize that then you can actually start working towards that towards bettering it and it's actually saying look, look well, one of the things you need to probably do is actually just meet more black people and understand because obviously there's some fear and uh, a lack of understanding around that community group strong female role models absolutely help to shape daniel's outlook so surely more female role models for men is what we need but we've still got a long way to go to reduce the gender gap and to allow and encourage more women into positions of power you know, I, unfortunately, I work with an organization um, at the NOAA's Media Center that is female-led, and which is an amazing thing to be in as a man because I'm inspired on a daily basis by women. I'm I see women in management positions. Um, my manager I have here, Mina Fombo, she's one of the best managers I've ever had in my entire professional career. I think this world just needs more feminine energy just as a whole. What does that mean? Again, it means more female role models, more women in leadership positions, more women in management. I've had incredible female managers. Absolutely incredible. I would say the best I've had have been women. You know, women are incredible. They are literally incredible. And I think... We just need more, we need more women in just more spaces. To take businesses, for example, that doesn't just mean subscribing to a way of thinking, having a diversity or inclusion policy. It means real action. Diversity inclusion is like, you know, everyone's like flagship that there's what they're trying to do. But when you get to the heart and nitty gritty of it, like that when you really get to like the values of that company and organization or that person, you realize how few people actually genuinely value for instance, diversity or inclusion or, you know, and what people just say they value. And but then uh, to me, actions speak a lot louder than words. So it's like you can say you value a lot of different things. You can say you, you, you value women leadership, but how many women in your organization actually have management positions? So how does putting 23 men together on a residential retreat in 2018 fit into all this? When Daniel came up with the concept for the mailroom, having a safe space for men to really connect with each other was the thing that was going to get real results. I'm a strong supporter of multi-gendered spaces, but I'm also a very strong supporter of single-gendered spaces as well, for women and for men. Because with men... Part of what part of the breakdown within the male community is that we actually don't connect with each other on a deeper on a deep level, generally speaking. And I think the lack of male intimacy that we have is being acted out in a variety of different ways. But there's just a lack of there's a lack of trust, I think, with men um, that we don't fully recognize. There's a lack of um, accountability. There's a lack of 
there's just a lot of lack of just I think overall connection. I think we're good at connecting on a surface level, whereas I think women make I think deeper relationships when they do have those relationships. My name's Max Hosler Ferreira, and I took part in the Mailroom Initiative. Max is one of those 23 young men who took part in the program. I'm I'm not the uh, most confident person. I don't have a lot of money, um, and I don't really have uh, I don't I don't have any family or friends that who are rich or famous or have great contacts or anything. So I've always sort of felt like I've struggled to to break out into career paths that I enjoy. But that environment, 23 men in a room, all able to truly be themselves, was something that was completely new to Max, and it helped bring out that confidence. I'd never been in a room filled with men and not felt like there were conflicting egos trying to sort of... um, trying to one-up each other. But it was was great because it, it was like everyone could just let their barriers down even though we were all very different people from different backgrounds, to see other people, like a whole group of men, have that freedom of speech and of, of comfortability to be who they are entirely and not not have any um, shields, have not have not be fronting in, in any way. It was just such a, a brotherhood of, of people. After the first day, even after the first day, we'd already had a conversation about breaking down masculinity and what we can do to make it better it it felt revelationary these are the type of men that need their of their voices heard that need to be seen like these are the type of men who actually want to make a positive impact in their community um as it and and progress the right you know and progress masculinity and uh for the benefit of all people these are the type of men um and just hearing men connect with themselves and each other you know like that's how movements that's how movements grow and that's what we need we need men who want to see change happen and for daniel and the whole group it was a pretty emotional experience. I cried. My, everyone cried. We, were, we, we all cried. Like at some point, I think we all cried. And like, you know, and, and not only that, but for the women who were there on the, on the course helping out and stuff like that, it was so impactful for them too. And um, what were you most proud of? What was I most proud of on the mailroom? The, the guys, all the guys. I was proud of them. I was proud of the progress they made, the, the bonds they had formed. I think the transparency and the honesty and the intimacy that they had created I was very proud of that. And only that on the last night, on the last night, they all made a pact to hold each other and the people, the men in their lives accountable. So like they were like, we want to, you know, we want to start making active change. Like, you know, let's start challenging each other. Let's talk about the times when we've, uh, when we called stuff out, but let's also talk about the times when we, we either let, you know, we saw something, we didn't say anything, or we actually were part of the problem. And like, that's what I'm really proud of. I'm proud of the ongoing lasting effects that the mailroom has had. So that's what I'm most proud about. Initiatives like the Mailroom help to break down barriers and open up hard conversations that need to be had, but they're just one tool in a toolbox, and Daniel knows there's still a lot of work to be done. We keep things progressing by challenging each other and challenging challenging um, not just each other and people, but organisations and companies and infrastructures. So we have to challenge the media. I think collectively, as a, as, as a group of people, we have got to challenge the media and hold them more accountable for the narratives they're sending out. We've got to start having the hard conversations. We've got to. Um, and I think with masculinity, we've started to uncover a lot of different themes and uh, conversations within that space. Um, so toxic masculinity, quote unquote, um, 
and um, other things like men don't cry and men don't show emotion. I think that is a narrative that obviously still exists, but obviously that is being broken down, I think, a lot more. We're hearing more of that um, in terms of like men being more open, women being more honest and transparent, which is incredibly important. You've come a long way on your sort of personal journey and you yeah. do a lot of mentoring and you coach a lot of uh, young men. Yeah. How would it feel meeting the young Daniel Edmund and what would you say to him? Meeting a young Daniel Edmund, I would feel, I would feel very sad. I'd feel very sad and I, I, I probably might cry. It was just a very isolating time. But I would tell him that like, it's all for a purpose. That's what. That's one thing I would say. Because I don't think I could eradicate any of the hurt that I've been through. And growing up and having matured, I don't think I would ever want to. It's a sad thing, but I, I think everything I've been through, every tear I've cried, every frustration I've felt, every bit of anger and disappointment has led me to this point where I am now. And I wouldn't feel as passionate or... I wouldn't be in the work I was doing if I didn't have a personal connection with it. And so I would tell him that, look, like you are you are great just the way you are. You don't have to change for everyone. Find someone who you can talk to and realize that this is all for a purpose and that you have a very distinct purpose in life. And everything you're going through is going to help to elevate you later on in life. And I would just give him a hug. Just give him a hug. And I would just, it would be a very long hug. And I would just tell him it's all going to be all right. But it would be a very bittersweet moment of like encouragement, but also like, you kind of just, you got to go through this, brother. <laughs> and like, and it's going to get better, but you've got to go through this because there's so many other people at stake. And if you don't have a personal connection with this, if this doesn't come from a personal uh, experience and a personal hurt, then there are a lot of days that you would probably just give up. Now being 29 years old, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't give up any ch- anything I have because I now have a experience that again pushes me forward, and uh, it's an experience that money can't buy. The author Aldous Huxley wrote, "Experience is not what happens to a man; it is what a man does with what happens to him." For Daniel, he's taken years of personal and often traumatic experience and ploughed it into this intensely passionate mission to want to make a difference. By reflecting on, especially as men, reflecting on our own experiences, and we might not like to admit it, but maybe even negative behaviours, we can rethink how we act, and collectively, as a society, piece by piece, we can reboot for a more equal, more thoughtful world. If you want to find out more about Noel West Media Centre or The Mailroom, we'll put links in the show notes and you can watch Daniel's 2015 TEDx Bristol talk at tedxbristol.com. Our thanks to Daniel, Max and the Noel West Media Centre and a huge thank you to our sponsors Opus Talent Solutions for making this podcast possible. You can find out more about what they do at opustalentsolutions.com. And finally, we'd love for you to subscribe to this podcast. It's free. Just tap subscribe in your podcast app. And if you enjoyed it, leave us a rating and a review. There'll be more episodes coming soon, right up to our next big event on the 17th of November, 2019 at the Bristol Old Vic. You can find out more and apply for tickets at tedxbristol.com. See you next time.